Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Uh, hey, if you're hanging around, grabbing coffee or whatnot, I'll, I'll invite you over to grab a seat in a moment. Uh, today, you picked a great day to come to church. We are starting a three-week series called Rings, and uh, we are going to help some marriages out. Uh, if you're not married, uh, it's okay. Take some notes, and maybe you want to be one day. This will help you, uh, and if not, it will just help you probably in all of your relationships. Uh, but all of you that are married, we want to spend three weeks to invest in you. Uh, and then, um, this is going to be an announcement later, but we are going to go to uh, a, a hotel right on the beach in a few weeks. We're going to buy brunch for all the married couples, okay? So brunch on us right on the beach, and we're going to get an extra few hours to pour into your marriage. So really for the next three weeks, uh, we want to give marriages a boost, okay? My wife and I, we have been married for 16 years now. Uh, which is crazy. We don't know it all, but we have learned a few things along the way on the journey. Uh, here is a picture of baby Matt and Alyssa. That was our, our wedding day there, and um, that's back when sideburns were in. Come on, somebody. Remember those, those days? And so that, that was us two little kids that had no idea what they were, what they were getting into. Um, <laughs> So I have a, a few thoughts this morning. Um, this, I've really based uh, the, the next three weeks on two books. Uh, one is called Cherish by Gary Thomas. If you've not read that book, can I recommend it to you? Uh, Matt Rudder and I have been going through it uh, together. I know in, in their small group they're going to be going into it a little deeper as well. Uh, they, they've just kicked off a, a lift group for, uh, for married couples. Uh, so I'm drawing from that, and I'm also drawing from the book Love and Respect by Emerson Egerich. And they're both great books. If you've not read uh, Cherish, Love, and Respect, can I highly recommend it to you? Probably Love and Respect helped Alyssa and I more than anything else. Uh, they, they mentioned what they call the crazy cycle of that just miscommunication and stepping on each other's toes. And so that, that book really helped us about year three, year four. Um, and so I'm, I'm driving through these two books, pretty heavy today, uh, and a few concepts that I thought, man, I, I, I can't solve all of their marriage problems in three weeks, but I'm, I can hopefully get you on the journey to answering a few, a few things. Right? I know, bummer, right? Wouldn't it be great if I could solve all your problems in two weeks? I, I wish I could. I uh, want to start by showing you a few images this morning. And uh, we're going to start by talking about the concept of, of attention and focus and what we look at. Now, oh, you, yeah, hit that image for me. Uh, so you're either seeing two horses fighting or a, a beautiful woman from the 90s with big hair, right? So, so who sees the beautiful woman with big hair? Okay, who sees the two horses fighting? Okay, okay, both, exactly, right? So depending on kind of what you focus on, I guess if you zero in on the eyes, you can see the lady, and if you maybe zero up here, you can see the horse's face and see, ah, oh, it's a landscape with two horses, two horses fighting. So go ahead, hit the next one for me. Uh, you either see a duck or a rabbit. You either see a duck or a rabbit. So if you, if you look at it and you see a bill, you're most likely going to see a duck, um, or you could, you could look here for the eye and the nose and see ears and see a rabbit. Right, so you're either seeing a, a duck possibly or, or a rabbit. I think I have one more for us here this morning. Uh, you either see a beautiful young woman looking down, or perhaps a, a lady that's snobbing her her face and her nose up. So uh, if if you look 
here, you can kind of see the nose and see the beautiful woman looking down. Or if you look here, focus here, you see a, a, a larger nose or a woman snubbing and, and looking, looking away. Um, here's what's interesting about marriage. Uh, here we go. Ready? Now it's going to get real for a moment. Uh, we, we often get married to someone because we are fascinated with their features. Right? In the dating phase, we are fascinated with their features features. Maybe, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at, at her and we're like, man, look at her legs and her smile and I love her laugh and I love how she compliments me, right? Or, or if you're a lady and you, you have your husband here this morning, you're like, man, I remember when I, I thought his ability to get something done was so attractive and, you know, his arms or his hair and his teeth or whatever it was. Like, you're like, man, what, what a beautiful thing. We, we often start dating with a fascination of features. And then what happens to us, of course, is after we get married, we become familiar with their flaws. We start out with a fascination of features, and then we become familiar with their flaws. What's interesting about the person that you've married, just like you, is that you are a mixture of features and flaws. The Bible says in Genesis 1.27, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. There is this uh, essence of Godness on you, right? This Imago Day we talked about it a few weeks ago, but you're made in the image of God. There, there are features. There's beauty. There's strength. There's ability. There's awesomeness, if you will. And then in Romans three twenty three says, "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." There is selfishness and pettiness and failures and struggles and inabilities. You, like your spouse, you are a mixture of features and flaws. James 3, 2 says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. I love that admission of James, the brother of Jesus, right? I mean, here he's hanging around Jesus and looking at perfection and writing about himself and everyone else saying, indeed, we make many mistakes. So back to our images. Uh, pull up one of those images for me if, if you could again. What's, what's amazing about these images, these double images, is that both are present on the canvas at the same time, but I see what I focus on. They're both there, but what I choose to focus on is what I see. We start out, again, with that fascination of features, right? And psychologists tell us we actually have rose-colored glasses on. When you fall in love, right, the emotions and the endorphins, they take over and that you can't even see the bad things because you're so fascinated with the features. You love the idea of being in love and it blinds us all, which is probably a good thing because maybe none of us would ever get married if that didn't happen, right? And, and so one of my mentors, I love this, uh, and, and they said, when you're dating, date with two eyes wide open, and when you get married, close an eye. And I, I love that because I feel like that's exactly what it is. So we have these rose-colored glasses on, but then when time goes by and we become familiar with them, we begin to realize and see the, the flaws. And, and what happens to all of us, and this is something 16 years in, you know, man, after a few years, right, the fascination wanes a little bit, doesn't it? If you've been married more than five or six years, you're like, yeah, 
what was there in the fascination stage is kind of gone and, you know, something else has taken over. And typically that's friendship and all these other connecting moments. But, but you become familiar with the flaws. And, and I'll say this, though. What we stop celebrating, we start holding in contempt. And what you stop celebrating, you kind of just start tolerating. And I think this is why so many marriages, right, till death do us part almost becomes a, a sentence, right? You're, you're, you're like, whoa, like I'm trapped. No, no, we don't. It was God, never God's intention. But I just wonder if, if we're focusing this morning on the wrong things. Because they're both present in your spouse. And your spouse can get better at certain things, but your spouse will never be perfect. There will never be a perfect human being. Your spouse will always be a canvas of features and flaws, and you will always be a canvas of features and flaws. You can get better, right? And I don't want this to be an excuse of, you know, love me the way I am. Pastor said, you got to take me the way I am and just see what's good about me, and I'll never grow. I mean, there's room for all of us to grow, right? We all want to grow in God's grace, but when I look at my wife, am I seeing her features or her flaws because both are present every single week? And both are present in me every single week. What am I focusing on? And so this morning for my first point is the question to all of us is, where is your vision? Where's your focus? What are you leaning into when you see your spouse? Have you delighted yourself continually in their features? Or are you starting to obsess with their flaws because they will both, they will both be there? They'll be present. Second thing that I think is very common for marriages that get us in trouble. So first I would say is, what's our vision? What are we looking at? What are we focusing on? The second thing I I would say that gets marriages in trouble a little bit is our approach. Our approach. You approach a pile of gold very differently than you approach a pile of dirt. Right? Do you remember back in middle school or high school when you had your first real crush? Anybody remember back to your days real quick? Just, just think back. Think back where your first real crush was, right? Middle school, high school. My first relationship lasted three hours. Come on, man. That was, that was a great three hours. And then we went out by, before the morning bell rang, and by lunchtime she had broken up with me, right? Broke my heart. And my next relationship went three weeks. Come on, somebody. That's improvement. So getting smarter. Progress, right, right. And, uh, but here, here's the thing is your, your crush might have been many things, right? Tall, short, cute, strong, whatever, right? But what, one thing they were not was common. One thing your crush is not is common. Common were all the people that you walked by to get to their locker, right? That was common. Your crush was uncommon. A funny thing about all of us, I think, is we start out in the uncommon and the special and, and then the, the problem with familiarity for all of us, okay, the more familiar we are with someone, the more common we tend to treat them. Isn't this, isn't this true? Right? Like we hold someone in honor and esteem that's out there that, you know, we're not really close to. But then the more we get to know someone, they're like, oh, yeah, that's just, I know them. I've been around them. I, I've seen them five times. Like we begin to move from uncommon to common. But here's the question. What is more common than marriage? I mean, what is more familiar than your spouse, right? They're there every single day. The Bible, the Bible says it like this. It says to outdo each other in showing honor. And in, in, in Romans 12, 10, love one another, right? It, all of us. 
and then outdo one another in showing honor. And I know this is talking about everybody in the body of Christ, but if it's true about all of us that meet on the weekends and for lift groups, how much more could this be true of our spouse? Could, I, could, I, could, could you and I imagine a world where you and I are outdoing our spouse in honor? How, how do you know that you've honored someone when they feel honor? What, is, what does honor do? Honor treats special. It is the opposite of treating common. It is going from common to uncommon. How do you know to honor your spouse? Well, all spouses are different. Here's the greatest thing you can do this week. Go home to your wife or your husband and say, how do I honor you? If you've never asked that question in marriage, that is the question to ask this week. How do I honor you? How do I make you feel special? Because what happens is for all of us in our flesh, you and I are going to drift toward common. And if you've been married for more than five years, I promise you the fascination is worn off. You're now totally familiar with their flaws, right? Seeing them naked doesn't quite do the same thing it did the first thousand times, right? It's just everything changes. So what do you have to do? You have to start displaying honor and moving from common back to uncommon. It becomes a discipline in my life. Amen. How do I make you feel special? It means different things for different people. Here's the funny thing about honor, too. I can't honor my wife in the way that I want to be honored. I have to honor her in the way that makes her feel honored. It doesn't do any good if I honor her the way that I want to be honored because she still might feel invisible. So what do I need to do for her that makes her feel special? And for for us, it's different, right? And so how do I make you feel special? honor? That is, that is a deep, deep question. Another, another thing I want to talk about this morning. So far, are you tracking with me? So our vision, what are we looking at week in and week out with our spouse? What are we choosing to focus on? Because they're both present, and they will always be both present. Your spouse can get better. They can grow in God's grace. They will never be perfect, right? He may not ever put the toilet seat up. I'm sorry. He might always throw his laundry on the floor. I'm sorry. It just might always happen. I don't know. Whatever it is, it might always be there. It might always be there. So what are, we, what are we looking at, right? And then secondly, our approach. When you approach your spouse on the weekly or monthly basis, is it common you know, or, or uncommon? Even in prayer, one thing I've, I've noticed, you know, when you and I pray about our spouses, I know we're talking to our father, but guess what? We're also talking to our father-in-law. You ever gone to God? You ever gone to God and complained about your spouse to God? Right? She's also his daughter. There's a sense, I think God's like, yo, I'm a little exhausted with you and you're complaining. You're my kid, but so is your spouse. How do we approach our, our spouse? Another thing I want to talk about is our, our connection on a week-to-week basis. So Orlando, if you can throw the basketball to me real quick. Um, it's an interesting study. So they, they studied couples for six years, and, and they were looking specifically at how these couples connected. And this is from the book Cherish, and it's a, it's a phenomenal point, I think. And so they said throughout any given day or week that, that spouses do something they call making bids for the other spouse's attention, right? And, and when I read this, I thought, whoa, this is so true. My wife and I do this all the time without even realizing it. What are we doing? We're, we're making a bid for the attention saying, hey, am I, am I still uncommon? Am I special? Do you cherish me? Do you honor me? I mean, you're with me, Right. So we're emotionally making these, these bids to each other, right? And, and so I'll throw the ball to my wife, right? 
and I'll say something like, hey, and I did this just the other day. I was like, hey, did you see the new flowers I planted? Like, in other words, notice my garden skills, man. I'm getting better. You know, like the moment you buy a house, you start caring about shrubbery and, and grass. And I never cared about Bermuda or St. Augustine. And then I got a house and I'm like, what's in here? You know, like, how do I make this thicker? Why does my neighbor's lawn look better than mine? And, you know, it's, it's, it's really funny. And so I'm taking pride in my gardening lately. And, and so I'm making a bid, right? And she can either say, yeah, eh, you know, or she could blow it off or she could make a big deal out of it. And, and my wife was gracious and she's like, I love the new flag. She knew I was making a bid. You throw it, throw it back. In this study, they, they found that couples that had a less than 30% return. So if, if I pass it and, and it was a 30% return passing game, right? 30% six years the vast majority of those couples were divorced. And they only returned 30% of the bids. Kevin, here you go. Then they looked at the study and they found that the couples that had an 87% or higher return in passing bids to each other, they were still married after six years. What they found was their passing game was about nine out of 10, 90%. That if, if my couple and I, if, if my spouse and I, if, if we're passing the ball back and forth here, Shelly, and nine out of ten times it gets brought back, those couples had something they called connection. And they were able to seeming to make it. And those that passed and then the ball got dropped, not even all the time, but most of the time, there was a break in connection. My married couples, if I can sow something into our lives right now, our connections and our intimacy is being built or broken every single day. And you're either going to build the connection and the intimacy, or you're going to burden that connection and that intimacy with our words, with our eyes, with our responses, right? You know, and, and I think when you, when you look at our spouse, again, we move toward uncommon to common, right? Oh, they're, they're just there. And it becomes a discipline. Am I empathizing with their losses? Am I celebrating their successes? On purpose, am I just getting excited about what they're getting excited about, right? Or am I just letting the ball for the bid drop? And, and regardless of what room the house the bid is being made in, you can build it or burden it. Amen? And I'll tell you, one of the things that my wife and I had to work on, you know, it really after year 10 on, year, year number eight and nine for us were the hardest in our marriage. They, they just were. We had hit a, a wall. We had hit a rut. The fascination was gone, right? Like, it, just everything that was there at the beginning that drove the marriage forward by year eight, year nine, it had come to a standstill. And so we had to begin to do something new and something else. So if you're here this morning and you're like, yo, we're in the grind. It's a bit of a struggle. We don't have the same feelings we used to have. First of all, can I just encourage you? There is lots of hope. Not even a little bit of hope, but a lot of hope. Come on, somebody. That's a good place to clap. Thank you, Matt. Like, there's a ton of hope for you. It, it is not a death sentence, right? God can do anything, any heart, any mind can change. There's a lot of good things, I think, still yet to come, right? And when you get toward this point of marriage, I mean, man, in a few years, we're going to be knocking on 20 years of marriage. No one has been in my life more than my wife at this point. 20 years of knowing me, right? Like, like there's something special that really does take over. So there's a lot of hope. So just know, even, even your pastor, you're eight, you're nine, man, it was, we had to just do it by faith. 
There are seasons of your marriage you do by feeling, and sometimes you do it by faith. Amen? And, and so we realize, man, this has got to take, we've got to work on our connecting. And, and this is a discipline that we never, we never really stop doing. But, but every day, are you, are you building that connection, or are you burdening that connection? It breaks my heart when I look at couples and I watch couples and they, one couple makes a bid for the other one and it's kind and it's soft and the other couple just kind of, or the other person just shuts it down really hard. You, you ever seen couples like, it just like kind of breaks my heart because I'm like, man, like that could be done a very different way. And, and, I, and it's funny because some people I'm like, man, they just seem to understand emotionality and they just get like, like how, to, how that works. And other people I'm like, wow, you're really tone deaf to relationships, aren't you? Like, like you don't really know how this, how this works. And there's a bid being made for that attention and that ability to be, to be special. I, I just think often we just drift from what we know to do that is right. I mean, gentlemen, let me talk to us, right? You knew how to get her at the beginning. Why did you stop doing that? Right? And I'm not, I'm not condemning the men, but go back to what you were doing at the beginning. It, it works. That's how you got her the first time. And, and ladies, you know, how did you get his attention the first time? Go, go back to some of that. Right? Like, you know, you know how nice you are. You laughed at his jokes even though they weren't funny. Right? Now you're just like, no, you're really not funny. It's like, go back to, the, go back to, go back to just making him a big deal on purpose. You know? And I, I just, there's, there's something to, I'm going to connect to my spouse on purpose. I'm going to make what, what she likes a big deal. You know, my, my, my wife loves to watch romance things from like the 1800s, right? And, and every now and then I'll, I'll watch one with her. Pride and Prejudice is our favorite one, like the old school one with Kara Knightley and stuff. You know, I got a couple of amens on that. Wow, okay, that's great. Like, and I, but I would just get involved in her world on purpose. I don't care what happened in the 1800s and romance and Jane Austen. I just, I, I have zero interest, right? And, but there's things that I'm into that she doesn't care, but she just, we're going to make the bridge on purpose, we want to get there. So as, as we wind down a little bit today, a few questions that I'd like to guide, and I'd like you to write this, write this down a little bit. Um, number one, where are you looking? Where are you looking, honestly? And ask yourself. This is not a time to punch your spouse in the arm and say, you know, write this down, get this. Um, a little self-reflection this morning for all of our married couples. Um, wh- where are you looking, honestly? Are you, are you looking at your spouse's failures or their features. Because it's often, often it's so easy to get in the rut of, I just see my spouse's failures. All that's getting, I'm getting just failures, 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 right? And it's very important, guys, that we love our spouse for who they are, not who we want them to become. Especially if you've only been married a few years. Stop trying to change them. Stop trying to make him be the man you think he should be and celebrate the man that he is. That's really good preaching. Somebody should have said amen to that. Okay, like that was really good teaching, okay? Um, maybe he is really bad at, at you know, uh, changing the sink or whatever, right? I, I don't have a, a single, like, uh, construction bone in my body. My dad, like, helped build, physically build the house that my parents live in. My dad can build homes. He can do bathrooms. My dad came this last week. He did more in one week in my house than I've done in a year. That's the truth. My wife will tell you that is the honest to goodness truth, right? And, and she's like, wow. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it's like, what do you want? Like, you know, it's just I don't do that. I just I don't have that bone or whatever, right? And, and, uh, but, but it's important that we love who we are. And, and men, you know, can, can, I, can I just help all of us again? Like, here, here's the thing about, about the, if, you, if you look at the songs, right, the Song of Solomon's, and he says, yo, my, my dove, my beloved, you're the only one for me, right? And he allowed that bride to define womanhood for him. 
I think there's something about that for us as men to look at your wife and say, you define beauty for me. You define grace for me. You define womanhood for me. I'm going to celebrate those features and keep my attention on those features. Because it's so easy to look at our spouse and see what they're not instead of celebrating what they are. That's really good teaching again. I'm just going to amen myself. Like I just hope I'm going to help somebody this morning. But am I looking at the failures or the features? Let that man and let that woman define manhood and womanhood to you. Instead of comparing him to another man, just celebrate who he is. Instead of comparing her to another woman, celebrate who she is. Because we're all a mixture of features and flaws. And all of us are like that, right? What's the, what's the approach? Let's, let's, let's talk and hang on that again for a moment as we, as we wind down. Uh, is my approach to my spouse common or uncommon? And as I approach my spouse, am I approaching a pile of dirt or a pile of gold? No, no farmer ever expects his neighbor to put the right seed in his field. If, if you want a harvest of honor in your marriage, no one can sow the seeds of honor in your marriage for you. No one. Your words, your eyes, your responses, your effort will sow common or uncommon in your marriage. If you want an uncommon marriage, you have to sow for an uncommon marriage. It's really very simple and very challenging because familiarity drifts us all towards common. So how do I bring my spouse back to uncommon? How can my spouse and I go home today before we watch the football game, right? Like, like how do I say to you, help me treat you more uncommon? How do I show you more honor? How can I make you feel more special? What would make you feel honored? Amen? There's a great book called The Five Love Languages. If you've never read that and you're married, let's read that one too, okay? That's another great one to put on there. So common or uncommon. Last thing, again, how's your passing game? How's your passing game? When your spouse makes a bid for your attention, for your love, for your, your eyes, for your effort, right? Like, and in any room at any given time, right? Ladies often need this in the light and men often need it in the dark. Come on, somebody. Like, like let's, let's be honest. Like, there's, there is a reality that in every room at any given time, when a bid is made for attention and love, how is my response? How's my passing game? No one is perfect, but are you closer to 30% or 90%? And if I can move the meter on your passing game, I can help you make more connections. And ultimately what marriage is about is intimacy. And what is the enemy after? He's after the intimacy. He will always try to drive a wedge between spouses and a husband and a wife. He wants that middle space. And if you're in your heart, though, this is why you have to, you ever heard the, the, the phrase, the devil's in the details? This is why you have to get into your marriage and get into the details and kick the devil out of the details. Because he's always going to be in that word. He's always going to be in that offense. He's always going to be in that trying to drive that wedge. And so I got to get in there and say, hey, what did you mean? Because this is what I heard. And hey, why didn't you celebrate that? That kind of hurt. And you have to slow down and talk about your passing game. But if you can increase your passes and that connection, you're going to get a cycle of connection happening instead of a cycle of contempt. Because honestly, what we're all looking for is intimacy. We want to be known, and we want to, we want to know, right? We want to, we want to celebrate. And when I don't celebrate, I start tolerating. So anytime I'm in my marriage and I'm like, well, I'm just tolerating a number of things, I have to stop and check my own heart and say, you know what you're not doing, though, Matt? You're not celebrating what is. Because like that image up there on that screen, they're both present in my spouse. And just like they're both present in me, what am I, what am I celebrating? Amen? 
Did y'all get something out of today's teaching? So, good. I know I, I, know I went after it for the, for the married couples. All my single people hang in there. You know, we're, we're just a couple more weeks for the married couples. But it's really been a tough season for, for couples. So we want to we invest in it. Let me pray for us real quick. And, We'll get out of here. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for the worship that Emma gave and brought to us. And God, thank you for this word. Thank you for this teaching. Um, and Lord, I, I pray that today really unlocked some things for, for couples. Uh, and God, I pray that it helped them make stronger connections, that they could ask those internal questions. What are they focusing on? Are, are they you know, making those bids? Are they connecting with their spouse? Are they choosing those loving, kind words? So God, help us build better marriages in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing week.